Welcome to the Property Chit Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Louise Roke, where I talk about everything and anything property. Today I'm speaking to Anthony Appleton Tattersall. Gosh, <laughs> that's a fantastic, very grand name, Anthony, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Louise. It's nice to be here. So Anthony has been investing in property for quite some time, and he also runs his own accounting business, which is AAT Accounting. And today I'm speaking to Anthony about his investments, how he got into them, and any advice he's got for us. So Anthony, tell me your property journey of when, where, and how you actually became a property investor. Right. So my wife and I scraped together a deposit to put in an offer on basically anything we could find back in our budget. This was in uh, 2012, shortly after she graduated university and got a job as a teacher and all that sort of stuff. First, we just looked for anything. We didn't really know much about property. Obviously, when you start out, you never do. The first thing we put on, put an offer on was a, a rundown do-up in the north side of Pukekohe, but that purchase fell through. We bought the second one we offered on, which was a three-bedroom in Clendon Park, Manurewa, South Auckland, yeah. that we still own now. Beyond that, we basically took that property. Then, having bought in 2012, we moved on as the market moved up. Uh, we moved to London in 2014, but the price of the property, sorry, purchased the property for 206000 which at the time seemed like a heck of a lot <laughs> because, um, well, the, the same house had sold for something like 97000 just six or seven years earlier. Right. So we thought, you know, are we overpaying here? Turned out it was all right. Seven-year rule so, should double, but not these yeah, days. Basically, yeah, the, the doubling in seven years, it's, it's held true for a long time and, and may well for a while yet. We don't know. So we, we took that property, and while we were in London, it had increased in value already a couple of years later. So we contacted a property finding agency. They helped us find two more rentals, in one in Rotorua and one in Wellington, that we purchased with the equity that we gained on the first one. We held those for quite a while, but it turned out that they weren't quite right for us. So we have sold those since. So when you say they weren't quite right for you, what what do you mean by that? So the property in Wellington was that we overestimated the area. We knew we knew it wasn't a fantastic area because we were buying a property for uh, about two hundred thousand, two hundred twenty thousand. Um, so we bought in Wainuiamata on a street that had a little bit of a reputation. Okay. So did you have um, problem with tenants? We had a problem with tenants and we had difficulties managing our property manager. So our property manager on, on his own was pretty good. But if we ever needed anything specific, it was a bit difficult to get on top of it. And then on top of that, it wasn't pleasant to go down and, and view the property. And it, it's, it was a difficult thing to organize. So Wellington, we sold, I don't know, two or three years after we bought it. And then Rotorua actually was, was going pretty well. The neighbor that's on the section behind uh, made us an offer just before the first lockdown this year. So we oh, sold really? that to see where else our money could go. Yes. Uh, interesting. So there's a bit of a story in that too, isn't there, Anthony, that some research does have to be done. And knowing what you know now, what probably would you have looked for more when you were buying that property? Honestly, if, if I was to be in the exact same situation, I'd probably do the same thing again. Oh, would you? I, I would. Um, <laughs> yes, I would. You know, you know they say um, that's a sign of madness. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. But I mean, in the end, it, it did work out all right for us. It wasn't what we needed. It wasn't as good as what we needed it to be. For example, the property in Clendon Park, it's also not in a high socioeconomic area. You know, there are, there are areas of Clendon Park that you wouldn't want to walk down in the dark. 
but our, well, our street is reasonably nice for a start. We are very, very careful with tenant selection. And we can just do a drive-by once every couple of weeks if we want to. The other thing is, like you said before too, if you haven't actually got a property manager that you can rely on, it's you know, quite stressful, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's exactly it. But you know, the, the purchase experience at a property finding agency, it was obviously a little bit scary being yeah. in London and yeah. not having yeah. seen the property. So from the, you sold the Rotorua one and the Wellington one, and then what did you do then? When we sold Wellington, that was uh, shortly after my son was born, and we fell into the, the bank trap. So we um, had, at that point, we had um, three or four properties spread across three different banks. ANZ had two of them. And when we sold the Wellington property, um, ANZ assessed our income based on my wife being on maternity oh, leave and earning yeah. nothing. It was literally two days after my son was born. And they took all of the proceeds. Oh, did was, they really? Um, Gosh. Yep. They took everything, brought, bringing the LVR on the other property down to about 25%. Completely ridiculous. But, yeah. you know, bank, bank's prerogative to do that. Basically, we couldn't do anything couldn't with do that anything. money, which yeah. is, oh, which that is a shame. frustrating. Then this year with the, with the lockdown, we ended up doing something pretty similar. I, I wanted to buy something in the commercial space. And we got reasonably close to buying something in uh, Hastings that I, I still sort of wish that we had bought. But I mean, it, who knows? It, it may have gone all wrong. In it, but, you know, I still wish that we had. But finance was very difficult in terms of how long things were taking. And there were a couple other little due diligence issues. And then, then my wife decided she'd like a career break. So there goes our servicing again. Was your wife one of the teachers who was trying to look after a child and work at the same time? Yes, During, yes she On was. Zoom and all this. I mean, it was crazy, wasn't it? It was absolutely insane. Primary teachers having to yeah. teach from home while... So she's having a break, good on her. Yeah, basically having, having a break to be a... Uh, a mum for a while. So basically, you, you've got your own company, and were you working for somebody before that, were you? Like, how long have you had your own company for? So I've been running AAT Accounting Services since uh, 2014, when we moved to London. So I started the practice while in London. Oh, did you? It, yeah, it's, it works great. It's, it's helped force me into a digital space. So oh, okay. I don't actually physically meet my clients pretty much ever. There's still a reasonable portion of my clients who I wouldn't recognize on the street if I walked past them. They're happy with that. I'm happy. Digital helps keep costs down and That's it great. helps service anyone in the country. That's fantastic. Started the practice while in London serving New Zealanders. Oh, I see. Right. Oh, yes. wow. Okay. Oh, good on you. That's fantastic. So you yes, sort of created your own career for when you came back. Basically, yeah. Mm. So I do still have a, a handful of clients who are in London, but they're New Zealanders in oh, London nice. who own property in New Zealand. That's fantastic. So how old were you when you actually bought your first property? Uh, so I was 23. Three. Yeah, uh, my great. wife was 21. We'd been married almost a year, so she, I think she was just finishing her first year as a primary school teacher. Because a lot of 21-year-olds probably wouldn't think that much about saving all their money. Was there a eureka moment where you thought to yourself one day, you met somebody or heard something and you thought, gosh, I think I might start saving my pennies and actually I'll have a property when I'm young? I'd, I'd love to have a truly inspirational story oh, here. damn it, but, you haven't um, got one. I, I, I don't really. <laughs> um, I... I've I've always been naturally frugal, so we've always saved. Um, but I, you know, saved and put money in term deposits, which at the time were earning seven, eight percent. So that was all right. right. But no, I'd, I'd basically I'd been an accountant in training for a couple of years by then. I'd seen plenty of of residential 
property accounts for clients. I'd seen people creating their own wealth. And I thought it's probably a good idea to start investing. Oh, good on you. That's brilliant. What prices are you? So you're paying basically back in 2012, 200-odd. So now... Yeah, yeah. The property that fell through in Pukekohe, I think we had under offer at 180. Right. It fell through. And it, that was a big do-up. It was going to require quite some was work. It? Then um, Clemden Park which was the only area of Auckland, basically, that we could That's afford true. a house that wasn't falling over. That cost us 206000 yeah, three-bedroom house. When you actually go and look at a property, because you're just talking about this Hastings one as well, but typically when you go and look at a property to invest in, when the bank actually needs to do that again and not tie yeah. your hands behind your back, that's frustrating. What do you actually look for? I, I don't have this set criteria list that a lot of investors do. It, a property does need to be cash flow positive on 100% interest-only borrowing. Um, ideally with a bit of a buffer for when interest rates do eventually go back up. It'll happen one day. So Um, perhaps you could talk people through when you're saying 100% cash positive. Could you just talk people through what what sort of formula they would need to look at? Sure. If if anyone needs it, I I do have a couple of spreadsheets and things that I'm quite happy to give out. But basically, it's a pretty simple calculation. I take the the weekly rent, multiply it by 50 to account for a couple of weeks vacancy. And then I take off an estimation of, of the expenses, insurance, rates, a body corp if, if that's the case, and then allowance for repairs and maintenance, which is guesswork really, but you've got to got to have a number in there, and interest on the loan. So I take the expected purchase price, multiply it by, I'm using 3% at the moment as a buffer on the current 2.5 rates, and the number you get at the end is basically your cash flow. Hopefully that's positive. You're hoping, in other words, that the rent is going to cover all of those expenses? Absolutely. The, for, for me, the rent has to cover all of those expenses. It doesn't need to cover any principal pay down, but it needs to pay all of the ongoing expenses of the property, yeah. including interest. So what about when you say you allow some repairs and expenses? What typically do people expect to sort of keep as a buffer for that? Yeah, it's a a good question. It it varies a lot depending on the property. A brand new property, you're you're going to have almost no maintenance for the first five to ten years. And apartments, similarly, not a heck of a lot of maintenance. If you're buying a 100-year-old villa, you might need to be budgeting 10000 a year even. And But for most of mine, I'm looking in the sort of three to 5000 okay. mark. Most years it comes in less, but then occasionally you get a $10,000 repair. So you're looking at it being cash positive. That's a primary goal yep, for yours. That what is out, what else my are you number looking? one criteria. Okay. Other than that, I've, I've always historically looked for a three-bedroom home. But I'm not sure that would be a criteria for my next residential purchase. That's just advice that I was given very early on. You know, three-bedroom homes are where families live. They stay forever. But in practice over the last eight years, families come and go as, as much as anyone else does. have got an apartment in the CBD now, which is a lot more transitory. We had one set of tenants for two years, but everyone else has stayed between six and 12 months, as, as you would expect, because they tend to be students. And then with a, a student that I had right before COVID, who was going really well and looked to be staying for several years, has gone home to Korea yeah. because of COVID. Would you have bought that apartment? Would you go and buy an apartment again like that in the city? Yes, absolutely. I would right now, it's it's a bit hard to say. Right now, because the market is severely depressed in central Auckland with no international students around and a lot of the apartments that used to be Airbnb style apartments are now on the residential market, rents have dropped a lot. We've got a dual key apartment in the city. It's a three bedroom and a studio. And the three bedroom used to be making 750 to 800 a week. And then the studio made another 400 to 450. But now the three bedroom, I struggled to find tenants and I got them at 580. 
and the uh, studio, I'd have to check my statements, but I think it's about three fifty at the yeah, moment. Yeah, right. Gosh, big drops, eh? Big drops, but those rents will come back. Yes, it's it's a matter of of when, and you know, property investment. It's a long term thing. If you could get right now an apartment priced well to reflect current rents, but knowing that rents were going to go up significantly in future, I would definitely look at buying. Okay, so now is a good time to buy apartments. Yeah, yeah, I can understand. If what you you're can saying. find something at the right price, if yeah. someone needs to sell, it's yeah. a good time to buy. It's interesting that you chose a three bedroom apartment. Why did you th- choose a three bedroom apartment in that case? I chose the apartment that I bought because it was a dual key. Yeah, that's what it I could be, yeah. It's, it's two separate units, so yeah, there's a higher yield. I chose the three-bedroom because it wasn't going for much more than similar two-bedrooms. Oh, okay. And an extra bedroom is always worth more. Yeah. I mean, do you think at the moment too, because the rents have got so high, that a lot of people are actually looking at two-bedroom houses even, you know, more so than, than three-bedroom? It's... Well, it's not something that I've seen myself because I haven't been looking for, for tenants much yeah. recently, but it's definitely something that I've heard through clients. Yeah, yeah, um, young professionals. Exactly. Yeah. And you get people who are organising flatmate arrangements more and more as well. You get people who rent three-bedroom houses who previously would have rented the three-bedroom house by themselves or, you know, them and their wife or them and their girlfriend yes. or whatever, but are now them, their girlfriend and another couple because rents are high. It's tough out there. So, Anthony, I mean, rents seem to be ex- high throughout the country now. Yes, they're, they're still naturally lower in absolute values, you know, the further south you go, basically, or the further yeah. north from Auckland. So where would but, you be? Yeah, rents are high everywhere. So where would you be looking to invest if you were investing now as a, as a say, somebody who's got their deposit together? and they want to start on the property ladder, where in New Zealand would you say to them to invest? I mean, apartments is a good one. I know what you're saying about that. Yeah, but you have to actually really do your research about that. It's all budget and yield-based, really. If someone had seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars $900,000, they could look at the the middle suburbs in in Auckland, and you can still get some reasonably good yields in the the south parts of what used to be central Auckland, around Otahuhu, Mangere, etc., Obviously, if you, if you don't have the seven dollars $800,000 that you need to buy in there, you need to look somewhere else. I was, late last year, looking much further south. I've had a good look through Wanganui. There's a lot of opportunity there. New Plymouth is a lovely city, but I think it's a little bit too high priced for what you get there. It's gone up place a lot. to live, I'm sure, but for, for rent doesn't quite work for me. And I looked at Invercargill. Yeah, um, yes, that's popular which, now. It was looking really, really good, but I was a bit concerned that the smelter might close. Oh, and okay. now it has. Um, I think the tourism thing have, there will pick up eventually, though, really well. Tourism in the cargo? Yeah. Yes, absolutely it will, but not in the next couple of years because no, no. COVID. What strategies do you use, Anthony? Like you've talked about, you know, just in general, what strategies do you think is a best if somebody's looking for, a, you know, a long-term? My overarching strategy is is yield and cash flow based. I, I'm of the opinion that capital growth happens pretty much everywhere at not too far off the same rates. So while your your $2 million mansion in Remuera will be going up a lot more in absolute value each year, if you had three properties worth you know, one third of as much, you'd be getting a similar level of capital gain. And meanwhile, the, the lower valued properties tend to have higher yields. So you're actually making cash flow. But beyond the cash flow positive strategy, I, I don't really have anything. Yeah. To... Do you think it's a good idea to hold property? Or would you say, you know, you get move on after five years or what? I absolutely intend to hold everything that we buy. I I wouldn't buy anything that I don't want to hold forever. Um, Situations then change and occasionally things don't make sense. But I mean, as as I said, I've still got the first property that we bought, albeit it was only eight years ago now. I expect to still have that in another 10 years. Everything we buy, I 
hope to hold forever, and then we see what happens after that. I mean, property buying and selling in the short term can earn you a lot of money, or I mean, it's risky. You can lose money as well. But you know, property flipping, it's a job rather than an investment. You, you can go out there and you can earn an income buying and selling houses. By all means, go ahead and do that. But it's not it's not a property investment strategy. Yeah. Let's just talk about that, actually, because, you know, being an accountant, just say somebody is doing that as a business. What do they need to, you know, because some people are under this illusion that because there's no capital gain tax, that it doesn't affect you and all the rest of it. But what do people need to be aware of if they are doing that as a job? That it is a business like any other. The, firstly, the, the notion that there's no capital gains tax has sort of faded anyway, given the Brightline test yes. now taxes capital gains up to five years. But even pre-Brightline, property investors who were flipping, they were always subject to tax on their gains. If you've purchased a property with the intention to sell it, then that is tax, a taxable event. It doesn't matter whether you sell it in five days, six months or 20 years, you will still pay tax on your capital gains. So if somebody buys a property and they sell it three months later, can you just talk about a little bit, just touch on the bright line with that? Yes. So if a normal residential property investor who goes out and buys a house to rent out and wants to keep it forever, but then something changes and they need to sell it three months, six months, or even four years later, the bright line test says that the capital gain that you've earned is taxable. So on that, you can take away lots of costs that you wouldn't usually be able to in, in a normal residential property situation. You can deduct your, your real estate agent's fees. You can deduct any upgrades you've made to the property. But if you bought a property for $500,000 and you sold it for $900,000, there's going to be a tax bill there. It's going to be quite a significant tax bill. The Brightline test is cruel and unforgiving <laughs> legislation. It doesn't matter if you're selling because your dad died and you need the money. It doesn't matter if your kid's got cancer. Oh, it's, what, what, no matter what the reason, it's a bright line. You pay tax yeah. within five years. Um, oh, sorry, quickly, yes. just um, going back to the, to the property trading question. In, in addition to income tax on gains that traders have to pay, if you're in the business of trading, there will also be GST implications. Oh, so okay. just like any, any other business, if you were out there buying and selling umbrellas, you've got to register for GST. With property, it's exactly the same. So you register for GST, you claim GST back when you buy a property, and you send GST to the IRD when you sell a property. Right. So do, I mean, people can still trade under their own name, can't they? People can trade under their own name. It's not always uh, the best idea. It's, it's usually better to incorporate a company for that sort of thing, but you can trade under your own name, but you still need to be GST registered under your own name. So what, what trends, Anthony, have you noticed with your clients that are investors? Is there any trends going on at the moment? So most of the clients who were buying lots of property prior to 2016 seem to be sitting on their hands at the moment. They're, I don't see a lot of them going out and buying a whole bunch of property mm, right now. That's interesting. There's, there's still a lot of people buying property, but they tend to be newer investors or people who have invested a couple of cycles ago and now have massive amounts of equity. Yeah, the clients that I've had since I started the practice who were starting out in 2014-15 are spending time improving their existing properties right. more than going out and, and finding more. So there's a couple of subdivisions going on, putting on minor units, that oh, sort yes. of thing, to maximise the use of their existing assets rather than trying to go out and get more. I think prices are scaring them. 
So you know how you're saying about you've seen, you know, most of your clients have actually been sitting on their hands. Have you seen a lot of your clients actually selling property? Because the prices are just, you know, pretty good and the demand is huge at the moment and nobody really realised what was going to go on with COVID, but it certainly has been a surprise. It, it has been a big surprise. And and it's it's funny to think that people were talking about the market crashing. Now the market's hitting record highs yes. every other month. I, I'm not seeing a lot of my old clients selling their properties either. Mm. I, I think they're very much locking in the gains that mm. they've got. There must be people selling property though, because I'm, I'm constantly getting inquiries from new investors who are just starting their journey and buying their first property now, usually with the equity that their home has gained in the last five, 10 years. Mm, okay. Are they coming to you, Anthony, because they're saying to you about structure? Yes, mostly they come to me because because they're looking to set up their structure correctly, which yeah. is which is a great move. People yeah. often don't think about their structure until yeah. it's far too late. And with the bright line now, it can be hard to change. But as you mentioned, we can talk about yeah. that. Yeah, because what I, I forgot to tell the audience was that Anthony, his business, AAT Accounting, is actually a property-based business. So that's what he actually specialises. I, I can remember the news headlines because whenever there's a property boom, the news headlines start reporting on it every other article. Yeah. Back in 2015, during the last boom, the news headlines were saying things like, is your house earning more than you do? Because yeah. houses yeah. Were, were appreciating value at seventy, eighty, dollars $150,000 a year. And that it makes your wealth go up pretty quickly. What do you think is going to happen with the property market? It's a big question. It is a big question. <laughs> In the long term, it's always up, but I'm not as confident as some others out there. Mm, that mm. could be partly the accounting conservatism. Yeah. People talk about prices doubling every 10 years. I mean, you mentioned the, the seven-year, 10-year rule earlier. And looking back over the past 50, 60, 70 years, that's roughly true. But as I said, it's mathematically impossible for that to continue forever. You can't have 7 to 9% compound growth forever. It can't happen. In, in the true long term, property can't increase faster than general inflation or wage growth. It, it can't. Mm. But in the short to medium term, I, I don't see any end to the property shortage, especially in Auckland, but, but also elsewhere in the country. That, along with dropping interest rates, uh, it means prices are on their way up again. So with when, you, when will they stop? No, 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 I know. So, okay, some, some advice for people starting out. What, what would some you know, advice be? I mean, look, let's, let's say somebody you know, is a bit nervous because they're putting their whole heart and soul into this property and they can't really afford for anything to go wrong. Let's have that concept you know, in mind. What, what are some yeah. of the things they really need to look at? Well, I mean, there's a, there are a lot of people starting out at the moment. As I mentioned, I'm seeing it an inquiry coming through to, to the practice. The best advice that I can give is to try and get as much as you can in order before you start. It can be quite problematic to try and fix things up afterwards if you make mistakes. So you, you get, your, get your team around you. At least at a basic, basic introduction level, you know you need you need an accountant, you need your legal advisor, your mortgage broker, probably to start out with. Accounting, legal, and finance would be the big ones. Basically, you do your work beforehand so that you can do your your best to avoid making a mistake. In property, time heals mistakes. You know, even if you buy something for far too much money, in ten years' time, you'll probably be pretty happy that you bought it. The the more thinking and research you can do before you buy the better. And as I said, with the advice of an accountant, ideally an accountant who specialises in property, a good lawyer and an excellent mortgage broker. There's a lot of talk about parents helping children into the property ladder. Is it happening a lot or? Um, I wouldn't say it's happening as much as it sounds like it is when you read through the media. I was wondering that. um, It definitely, definitely happens, both in terms of, of parents guaranteeing loans and less than it used to, the parents taking out a mortgage and gifting it to their kids. Right. Uh, the banks aren't looking so friendly at that at the moment. But yeah, it's definitely happening. 
young people, it's a real struggle to get onto the property ladder yeah, now. Is. Even affordable rental that I bought in 2012 is now worth $600,000. To get a 10% deposit on that or a 20% deposit on that, it's... Very, Look, they need difficult. to do what they did in my day, Anthony, and work three bloody jobs. <laughs> yeah, yep, no, I did that for a while. I, yep, there the, you the, go. The kind of practice that I'm doing now, I mean, I was doing alongside full-time work for several years. Yeah. So it's... Get off the couch. It was, no, I'm only joking. Yeah, I'm only joking. No, the prices are just work, shocking. The prices um, are even shocking. then, it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. It is tough. I, I can talk just for, for a couple more minutes and you can edit and switch things yeah, around. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, re- regarding our, our personal journey, because I sort of... So, you know, we we bought our first property, went to London, bought a couple more through our fine property. Through working in London, I could earn a lot of money in London in finance. There was my my salary basically doubled going from from Auckland to London. So as well as saving for fancy trips and things overseas, we um, saved quite a bit of money. And so came back to Auckland and bought uh, what was at the time our own house in Otahu. Oh, yeah. Jorky apartment in central Auckland. So the house in Otahuhu is now a rental. We've moved out and and are living with family for a while. It just, like I said, it just makes sense from a monetary perspective to have my money in investments rather than in our own home. And the Jorky apartment has been going well until COVID hit, and it will go well again in the future. Yeah, it still sounds like it's going quite well. Yeah. We are now sitting on four rentals, depending how you count them, all in Auckland, which are naturally appreciating mm-hmm. in, in value slowly and rents will continue to increase over time that's great oh that's fantastic well done for you know for a young couple that's absolutely brilliant and you've got your little bubby and yeah i'm sure you've given some people some hope and inspiration anthony to um, get I, I out hope there. So. Yeah. um it's yeah. it's tough to to get started these days but once yeah. you get started the growth starts to get behind you yeah exactly. and things become easier so it's the whole it, rich get richer thing yeah so Anthony is, as you can hear, a very approachable, easy to talk to accountant, and he's also a young guy. So for all those young people out there who you know want to get into the property ladder, you can reach out to Anthony. He also does some articles on landlords. It's a website for Kiwi property investors, and he's got a good one on here that I just read called The Importance of Correct Structuring. So Anthony writes on that as well. So thank you so much, Anthony. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and we've all learnt lots. And yeah, we shall talk to you again. Thank you very much, Thanks Louise. So Look forward much. to it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Property Chit Chat. Subscribe to hear all our episodes. If you want further information, visit goodtonic.co.nz and hit the Property Chit Chat tab. Till next time, over and out.